0: topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative dietitian Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu.
1: Welcome to episode 113 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. You are joining us for all about medicinal mushrooms with guest Jeff Chilton.
2: Yes, I am so pumped to have Jeff on the podcast just because mushrooms are an area that other than cooking with them and maybe sprinkling a little truffle salt here, here and there, and I guess taking my adaptogen boost, that's got some cordyceps. You're uh, getting there, yeah. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not a mushroom aficionado by any means, though. There's like this whole world that I'm really excited to explore with our guest today.
1: I mean, fungi is its own entire kingdom yes. Yes. <laughs> in our breakdown of animal and plant and all of the things. So I think there's a lot that Jeff is going to unveil, and he's definitely an expert in the topic matter. So we'll just get right into his bio and get rockin. Um, Jeff Chilton was raised in the Pacific Northwest. He studied ethnomycology at the University of Washington in the late 60s and started working on a commercial mushroom farm in Olympia, Washington in 1973. During the following 10 years, he became the production manager responsible for cultivation of over 2 million pounds of mushrooms per year, and was also involved in the research and development of shiitake, oyster, and enoki mushrooms, which resulted in the earliest fresh shiitake sales in 1978.
2: Jeff's company, Namex, was the first to offer a complete line of certified organic mushroom extracts to the U.S. nutritional supplement industry. Namex extracts are used by many supplement companies and are noted for their high quality based on scientific analysis of the active compounds.
1: So we are going to learn about all things, how mushrooms modulate the immune system, how they aid with detoxification properties, some of the nutritional unique properties, and their psychoactive properties. So buckle up. It's going to be a fun ride. Let's bring on Jeff. So welcome, Jeff. We're so thrilled to have you on the Naturally Nourished podcast.
3: Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to speak to you.
1: Awesome. So as we shared with listeners, you've been involved with mushrooms and their studies since the 1970s, right?
3: Yes, that's and, absolutely right. And,
1: and what originally got you into studying mycology, or I guess biology, plant medicine in the first place, and, and what specifically about mushrooms fascinates you and, and gets you motivated?
3: Well, you know, I, I was uh, raised in the Pacific Northwest, and it is um, well. Washington State is called the Evergreen State because it is green with forests, and the reason for that is that it rains so much, and all that rain, sh- rain just brings out mushrooms everywhere. So, so they were all around me from the very beginning in in my life. Uh, early on, I went out mushroom hunting with uh, some adults. I kind of uh, enjoyed it. And mushroom hunting is like a treasure hunt. You go out you walk in the woods, it's really fun. And if you find a mushroom, it's like, wow, look at that treasure. And (laughs) I went on the university, University of Washington, and and my field of study was anthropology. And I brought mushrooms into that. I also studied mycology, and I studied the use of mushrooms worldwide, um, not just for food, but also for medicine and also mushroom use in shamanism. So it was really just kind of, I just slowly um, worked my way into that field, just got deeper and deeper and enjoyed it so much. And there was just so much to learn that, uh, yeah, it was just kind of a uh, natural progression for me.
1: Awesome. Well, we definitely want to dig into all of those elements of the medicinal properties of mushrooms today.
2: Yes. And, Absolutely. Oh, um I was just going to say, there's so many different types of mushrooms too, which I'm sure we'll get into. And some of our listeners, and myself included, we probably only know, you know, the tiny surface of, you know, maybe 10 types of mushrooms I could name off the top of my head. So I'm sure you're going to educate us on um, types and and different functions as well. But I wanted to ask about um, what is it about the structure of a mushroom, Jeff? Um, like, what's unique about the structure of a mushroom, I guess? And how does that uniquely contribute to our health. So what are some of the different health supporting properties that are influenced by a mushroom
3: structure? Well, you know what mushrooms have in their cell walls, a um, compound called a beta glucan and the beta glucan is what's responsible for their immunological activities. And, and the beta glucans have been studied extensively, especially by the Japanese and they have found that they are, um, have immunological activity. And that's really one of the basic functions of a medicinal mushroom is to provide us with some extra uh, immunological um, tools, let's say. So that beta-glucan, it makes up 50% of the cell walls in mushrooms. So we can eat mushrooms and we can get those beta-glucans, which is um, all mushrooms contain beta-glucans, but certain mushrooms, those that we call medicinal, have beta-glucans that are a little bit different in terms of the way they are structured. And that structure is really the difference between a a actual medicinal mushroom and just an edible mushroom. So so what has happened is traditional Chinese medicine, where we really look for, okay, what mushrooms are medicinal? They say there's 270 mushrooms that are medicinal uh, according to scientific studies, they use maybe only 12 specifically, and those are the ones that we pretty much work with, Are and we look to traditional Chinese medicine for uh, traditional use, and then we look at the science to see where the science there is to back it up. So generally speaking, there is about 10 to 12 really important medicinal mushrooms, and it's that beta-glucan that gives them their primary activity.
1: And is that, Jeff, the density? I remember when I first started. So I went to Seattle, uh, excuse me, to Bastyr University outside of Seattle, Washington. And I had roommates actually at Evergreen uh, College and took uh, a single class in identifying uh, medicinal mushrooms. So I I was really excited to have you on and kind of geek out a little bit. But for, for listeners to dig deeper, what I had thought I understood was that like reishi and the mushrooms that are so dense that can't be... Eaten per se, is that because of the presence of certain other polysaccharides, or is that the density of the beta glucan that would make them, you know, more uh, needed to be boiled to be consumed per se, or dried out and the varied
3: forms well, of consumption? You know what, I'm I'm not actually I wouldn't actually say that that density is the key to anything. I mean, certain mushrooms are actually what we call a polypore, and that polypore is, is like wood, and it, and it primarily grows off of the sides of trees. And the interesting thing about medicinal mushrooms is even those polypores, and the reason we call them a polypore is rather than gills, they actually have millions of pores underneath, and those pores or gills are what produce the spores. So most of the medicinal mushrooms Actually, grow on wood, and that's what's really interesting. And uh, what what is um, what we've discovered is that that wood is what gives those mushrooms the precursors to produce the active compounds in there. So, so we have reishi, we have turkey tail. Those specifically are very woody. You wouldn't eat them. Traditionally, right. they're food as Key, whereas other mushrooms like a maitake, a shiitake, a lion's mane, those are more like a normal mushroom where we can slice them, throw them in a pan, and eat them as well. So, so in terms of that actual density, I've never looked at it in in that way.
1: Okay, but the, but they all grow on some form. Maybe let's let's talk about that. Their growing conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether compost or wood, what organic matter mushrooms can grow off of, and maybe they're, they're growing patterns. I think that that's always been something very cool, how they tend to grow in like circles when you see them in someone's lawn or something like that out in the woods.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, that, that's very, very interesting. And, and so let's just talk a little bit about that fungal organism that we call a mushroom. Now, a mushroom is just simply a plant part. So that organism that has a plant part called a mushroom actually begins with a spore, Mushrooms don't have seeds. They have spores. That spore will germinate uh, with the right conditions and it will form a very fine filament called a hypha. Now, when multiple spores germinate and those hypha grow together, they'll form a network of hypha, which we then call mycelium and that mycelium is something that normally we won't see because it's either underground it's in the wood it's in the tree we can see it if we pay attention when we harvest a mushroom from from nature and we look as we pull it out of the ground we look and we'll see the mycelium underneath or sometimes we can see it in the wood after we we harvest the mushroom but that mycelium what it does is it is decomposing organic matter uh, and that is the food source that it has without without uh, these fungal organisms. Not just not just this this um, particular organism, because there's all sorts of fungi out there. There are fungi that don't even produce a mushroom or what we call a fruiting body. But that mushroom will come up uh, after the mycelium has has absorbed enough nutrients and the conditions change up here. What happens is that fall comes. It it gets cooler. uh, It rains. And now that mycelial network will put up a mushroom, that mushroom will mature, ultimately produce spores. And those spores will then um, go out and find a new home. And there are billions of spores that one mushroom can produce. And and let me just, this is something, this is so cool. In China now, they actually harvest the spores of reishi mushrooms. So, So before they harvest a reishi mushroom, they will put a plastic bag at the base of this mushroom. They will shroud it so that when the spores drop They can't fly off into the atmosphere. Instead, they'll drop down into this plastic bag. And I've actually taken one of these plastic bags and I've weighed it, and there is 500 grams. That is just about, that is a little over a pound of spores from one mushroom. Yeah. Can you imagine? And, and about the uh, the other uh, statement that you'd made about uh, growing in a circle and stuff. Yeah. What happens is that um, when uh, the, the let's just say the spores find a home, they germinate and they start to grow this mycelial network. If that is in an open field, what happens is it grows out radially from the center, uh, right from the very center. So. Sometimes you'll see this manifested by what's called a fairy ring. And if you yes. see a fairy yes. ring, what it is, is the mushrooms are growing on those tips, those mycelial tips that are the farthest away from that very beginning. And so what will happen is, is as long as there's enough room, they will. They'll, let's just say in the fall, they will put up this mushroom fairy ring Next year, if you go to that same spot, the mycelium will have traveled further and put up a larger fairy ring. As long as it has nutrients, that mycelium will continue. And that's why that's why for a mushroom hunter, you ask them, okay, where'd you find those mushrooms? They'll say, I'm not gonna tell you. (laughs) Because, Because basically, as long, as long as there are nutrients there, mushrooms will be produced in the same spot every year. But if they run out of nutrients, that mycelium will die, just like any other organism. Sure. It will die and it will be consumed by other fungi. It will be consumed by uh, bacteria. So it becomes food for the ecosystem out there. And, and you know, I just want to be clear about something because I consider um, – Mushrooms, and I consider that mycelium to be part of an ecosystem. Yes. What we're seeing out there is not one organism that is, you know, like some people would say, the internet of the natural world. This is just uh, uh, some kind of fanciful thinking. The, the actually, that mycelium works together with bacteria. It works together with other fungi, it works together with yeast, they are all working together in this wonderful ecosystem out there, breaking down organic matter into humus that is feeding the rest of the plants and trees and everything else out there. So they're one part of this ecosystem, and I think that's very important for people to understand they're not anything separate or anything like that. This is an ecosystem. Everything is working together. And I think that's what, in terms of even ourselves, we are part of a very large ecosystem. We're not separate, this wonderful creature that can do all these wonderful things and has all these wonderful tools. No, we're part of something bigger. And in a sense, the Gaia idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, that symbiotic Connectedness, I think, is really important to note. And I wonder, I wanted to go here later, but I think maybe now is the time. I'm just curious as far as when we think of the gut being like, you know, the garden the garden bed of the body, if you will, as uh, functional practitioners, we're looking at that symbiotic versus dysbiotic di- environment and starting to learn more about biofilms, you know, these inter networks yes, of bacteria yes. and yeast and, and how the microbiome is influenced. How does yeah. that connect to nature, and and are there dysbiotic mycelium or certain environments that throw mycelium off, where it would have unfavorable impacts?
3: Well, you know what I, I, you know, a lot of people like to uh, project onto the world this idea of things are fighting each other. You know, oh, you know, I'm this is being attacked by this or attacked yeah. by yeah, yeah, and, and I, I'm I'm not someone who likes that way of um, expressing what's going on out there, because I don't think it's a fight. I think it's a competitive uh, uh, grouping of organisms that are all finding their niche, finding their nutrients. This doesn't mean that there might be occasional struggles. (laughs) For example, I could get in a struggle with a cougar out there, and that would be (laughs) a very dangerous struggle. But really, when you look at it, I think we're all trying to get along and cooperate. And this is where the whole idea of symbiosis comes in, and and the fact that the different organisms build up relationships with other organisms. And so that's my view of how this whole world and the ecosystems work. And fungi are one part of that. And, And you know, of course, that you know, people talk about the fact that that we are very similar to fungi and so on. Well, fungi have their own kingdom. Certainly, there's the plant kingdom, there's the animal kingdom. Fungi sit in between. We share attributes with fungi. We breathe uh, oxygen, breathe out carbon dioxide. So do fungi. Yeah. We actually. The other thing that's really interesting is that plants will produce starch as their storage carbohydrate. Um, We produce what's called glycogen as Mm -hmm. our storage carbohydrate. Mushrooms do not produce starch, they produce glycogen. Isn't isn't that interesting? Mushrooms produce glycogen. So, So what's interesting about that for me is in terms of quality control of mushroom products, one of the tests that we run is a starch test. And if the product has starch in it, we know right away that there's either an adulterant or there is a carrier or something like that that has been put into this particular, what's called mushroom product. And we know from all our analytical work that mushrooms have maybe one to 5% glycogen. Okay. So that's what will show up on our tests. But uh, many of these other products end up being 30 to 60% starch, and we're like, okay, there's a real serious mm-hmm. issue here because mushrooms do not contain starch.
2: Huh, that's so wild. So, so interesting. So, there's a lot of, it sounds like, potentially imposter products out there. I think we'll get to
3: that yes, in a
2: moment. Um, we will. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask, though, Jeff, about um, specific to, I guess this is three very separate questions, but specific to harvesting storage and or extraction um, what would you say like priorities are or what are some of the biggest concerns and yeah if we want to go into some of the imposter products within this that's totally fine sure
3: sure, <laughs> sure, sure. well you know what basically um in terms of mushrooms all of the mushrooms that we use are cultivated we don't deal well i shouldn't say that not all of them we have two mushrooms that are harvested wild they're wild crafted one is chaga one is turkey tail those particular mushrooms are not cultivated and um but everything else is cultivated which which is good because basically the beauty of mushrooms is mushrooms have always been grown on agricultural waste products. That's that's their role. They're converting these waste products into high quality food and supplements these what we call mushrooms. So it's it's really um uh, a wonderful thing there. And and so when, when we grow the mushrooms, we basically, we grow them. They they are mature. They are then dried out. They need to be dried. They're sent from there off to our extraction facilities. And there, uh, we, we extract them. And we have two types of extractions that we use. One is called a one-to-one water extraction. And all we do then is we grind them to a powder. We put them in the extraction vessel, which is huge. And then we'll cook them one time for three hours at around 80 degrees Celsius. And then we will concentrate down the fluid and that fiber filled, that powder filled fluid, which is like a, a real thick soup at that point, gets sent off to a spray dryer. It's dried. It comes out as as what we would call a one-to-one extract, which means we do not leave anything behind in that one-to-one extract. All of that mushroom fiber, and here's something about about mushrooms that that is important. Um, mushrooms contain a lot of of uh, um, uh, fiber, um, and that's that's uh, when you eat mushrooms, that goes right down to feeds your microbiome. Uh, mm-hmm. And when we're when we are actually uh, extracting for this one-to-one extract. We don't want to leave that fiber behind. And besides, we've only cooked it once. And what we've, we're trying to do is pre-digest that because mushrooms also have what is called chitin in their cell walls. And that is a structural carbohydrate that um, that that we uh, cannot digest well and that actually prevents mushrooms from being digested in our stomach. They're they're primarily digested down in our intestine, and a lot of that is fiber, and that goes down. It feeds our microbiome. Um, So the one-to-one extract that we create still has all that fiber in there. Now, we want to make a concentrate. Well, you can't get four kilos into one kilo, so we'll cook (laughs) three times. And if it's a reishi or a chaga, one of those extractions will be with alcohol. just because there are certain compounds in those uh, mushrooms called triterpenoids. In order to get all of those triterpenoids out, we will extract with uh, alcohol one time. But at that point, after we've done three extractions of this mushroom fiber, believe me, there is nothing left except spent fiber. So, so, and we've got, And what we're looking for is we're looking for a profile that is as close to the actual mushroom as possible. We're not trying to build anything up. We just want a concentrate. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, where, okay, you can take, you know, do you really want to take 10 capsules of something? Well, no, nobody wants to take, (laughs) you know, of their supplement. So that's why, that's why there's extractions. And, and one of the things for us that's so important is, We analyze, we analyze, we analyze, we analyze. We have multiple tests that we we run on our products to guarantee that they have the compounds we're looking for. We analyze for beta-glucans, we analyze for starch, we analyze for ergosterol. Ergosterol is so cool. Ergosterol is the fungal sterol, much like uh, we have cholesterol, mushrooms have ergosterol, and ergosterol is a precursor to vitamin d in the mushroom a precursor to vitamin d mushrooms don't have a lot of vitamin d but if you expose a mushroom like slice it up expose it to uv that will produce a lot of vitamin d in that mushroom so there's actually mushrooms out there that have been treated that way that can give us the vitamin d that we're looking for in fact We're coming out with a vitamin D product in the new year. Uh, That's vitamin D and it's vitamin D2. D3 is is great, but it comes from an animal. So it's Mm -hmm. an animal product. A lot of people are like, we don't want to take it because of that. So we're coming out with a mushroom-based vitamin D2 product in the new year. So that's just another one of these really interesting things about mushrooms, and we, and we analyze every single product for ergosterol as well, because that gives us an indication that it's um, about whether or not it's actually a fungal product that, we're, that we are analyzing. And we've analyzed a lot of watercolor medicinal mushroom products, they have next to no ergosterol, they have next to no beta-glucans, and it is absolutely shocking The number of so-called mushroom products on the market that are not actually fungal. Actually, these products are are sold and they're called mycelium. And the the problem with that, nothing wrong with mycelium. Nothing's wrong with mycelium at all. The problem is, is that this mycelium is grown out on grain, like it could be grown out on oats. It could be grown out on rice. And they don't remove the rice from the final product. Sure. so, oh.
1: so, so well, that so. would affect the carbohydrate storage i'm sure at the right. end well, right. well yes
3: yes and listen let me tell you something uh, i i'm an exhibitor at paleo fx austin every year i'm down there i have people come up to me they say oh wow mushrooms i love mushrooms i'm taking a great mushroom product i'm like oh yeah great that's wonderful uh, tell me what brand i tell them the brand and i say i hate to tell you this no. but <laughs> that brand is mostly grains mm-hmm. and they are literally <laughs> yep it's not and, paleo and, guys <laughs> and, and and the issue the issue is that the people and the companies and these companies are all based in the united states the companies that manufacture these products when they sell them on the front panel it says reishi mushroom my mushroom they do not say that and they have a picture of a mushroom on there so when you buy it you absolutely think you're getting a mushroom product and unless you turn it over and look at the supplements facts sometimes and this is just with a few people they will say mycelium and in the other ingredients they will say myceliated rice or myceliated oats Mm. or something like that so the the more honest companies will say that, but a lot of companies will buy these raw materials, put them out, they will not tell you that what you're getting is myceliated grain. And, and the way I like to um, uh, present this whole concept is, are, are you guys familiar with tempeh? Yes, yes. <laughs> do, you
1: know, yep. do,
3: you know what, do you know what tempeh
1: <laughs> is? Fermented soy.
3: Okay, what do they ferment the soy with? Uh, culture (laughs) (laughs) you know what this is really interesting because I've yet to find anybody I lots of people know what tempeh is but nobody knows what's really happening and how it's fermented it's fermented soybeans right well there's
1: wild rice tempeh and there's yeah there's
3: different grains noted but here's the issue tempeh is is actually fermented with a fungus it is fermented with a fungus so when you get that block of soybeans and you see all that white stuff Mm -hmm. that's mycelium sure so so and, and this is this is what's called an imperfect fungus and you can delineate the two an imperfect fungus does not have a mushroom or a fruiting body being produced at all it's just and we call them basically, commonly, we would call an imperfect fungus a mold. So you'll see something growing on bread or you'll see something, you know, this fine, actually mycelium growing on something and you go, ah, oh, it's a mold, throw it away. And and what happens oftentimes with that mold is that, for example, if you see a green mold, that green, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you pick it up and there's, dust that's coming out of it that dust is spores right so that mold has produced spores and that's oftentimes when you notice that you've got a green mold or a black mold those are the spores that turn the color initially that would have been a white mycelium oftentimes so so tempeh this is this is the the interesting part of it tempeh is actually a fungus it is it is put on these cooked soybeans, it grows over really quickly, uh, colonizes that, and that becomes a food. Now what companies are doing is they're essentially can you can you imagine if you took that tempeh and you you uh, uh sliced it you dried it and now you ground it to a powder and you said okay take uh take one gram of this as your as your <laughs> nutritional supplement. Sure. It's, it's a food, and that's what they're right. doing. They are basically creating a tempeh-like product, but they are grinding it up without removing the grain. They are then selling it as a mushroom, and you're paying a lot of money for you know something that really is very inexpensive, and yet they're calling it a mushroom when it's not mushroom at all. It, it actually what they're doing is growing a food product, and that's the way it should be sold. It is absolutely not a supplement.
1: Oh yes, so much to share, but before we go forward, I need to share our new sponsor, CrowdCow, who I'm super stoked to bring into our audience of the Naturally Nourished podcast. They're all about farm-to-table movement, and in fact, they take this to the next level when they provide you a zip code search where you're able to find where your meat comes from, all focusing on meat that is ethically sourced. Crowdcow believes in full transparency and for a limited time, you can enjoy free shipping in addition to $25 off your first order when you use crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished as your login. Of course, we'll put the link in the show notes. But let us tell you for a couple of moments why Becky and I are super excited to have them as sponsors.
2: So you know, Allie and I are all about eating the foods that you know where it comes from at the end of the day, and knowing what what you're eating eats. So we're looking at 100% grass-fed beef, pasture-raised pork, pasture-raised chicken, and you can choose your cuts, which is the coolest part. So you can choose from very fancy steaks. Uh, ribeyes, tomahawks, even Japanese Wagyu that is fed on olives. Yes, talk how about cool an am- is that?
1: amazing fatty acid profile and butter in your mouth. Amazing.
2: <laughs> and they have things like organ meats and other cuts that might not show up at your local grocery store. And you can choose and pick and pull what you want for each share. And it's not a subscription service, so you get to choose your box when you want it, how you want it. You can do it as a special holiday treat or gift or do every other month or whatever really works for you and your schedule.
1: I also love that they're premium ground beef because you guys know I love to make a weekday bolognese. We love to make burgers in my household or organ-based lasagna type deals with zucchini noodles or meatballs. And their premium ground beef is made from dry aged beef. So the flavor profile is literally amazing. It is so different. It has less meat drippings and it is a wonderful mouthfeel, which takes any dish to the next level. And that's where quality really sings. Beyond this, as you know, when you're choosing grass-fed meats, you're going to get a higher omega-3 fatty acid profile, which means more health-supporting fats, lower inflammation, and more nutrient density. Fantastic bang for your buck.
2: Yes, as we know, holiday eating is always tough and tricky to navigate. So this is something you can really treat yourself to as a guilt-free food choice with clean eating, full transparency into where your food came from, and why would you really want your meat to come from any unknown source anyway?
1: So when you're buying from Crowd Cow, you know that you're voting with your dollar, supporting local ranchers and small sustainable farms. In fact, you get the farm name from the source that you're buying, which is an awesome return on your investment. And you know you're nourishing yourself and your family with the quality proteins that also taste the best they can. So go on over to crowdcow.com backslash Nourished to get your $25 off and free shipping and get a taste for yourself of quality and, and best sourcing of where it's at. And it's, it's so confusing, I think, to the consumer, especially when they're comparing gram for gram, but it, it doesn't distinguish necessarily the concentration within or the extract. So I think all important points for consumers to be aware of. Um, before we go deeper down that rabbit hole, I want to talk about some of the exciting elements of maybe let's dig a little bit deep, Jeff, into a little bit more mechanisms of action on immunological modulation, maybe maybe three or four top mushrooms and how they function. I'd love to touch on lion's mane and its neurological properties. I'd, I'd love to dig a little deeper into turkey tail. and I know there's a ton of interesting research on breast cancer and and then maybe distinguish cordyceps as, as three focuses unless you have a zinger you want to throw in there too.
3: <laughs> no, absolutely. You know what, <clears throat> um, and I'm glad you brought up the word modulation because these are, um, mushrooms are um, modulators. We can say stimulates the immune system or something like that, but they actually more, their action is modulating that where we're helping us out. And the way they do this is the beta glucans, we, we take the beta glucans in, they go down into our lower intestine. They actually, at that point in the lower intestine, the beta glucans are, are hooking up. They've got a receptor down there. They click into that receptor and that receptor then will, will, Essentially, stimulate the production of NK cells, um, macrophages, T cells, upper T cells, and so that's that's the whole mechanism of immune modulation. And and mushrooms are sort of considered a adaptogen. In fact, Reishi is considered one of the premier adaptogens, and that it, that it will modulate. It sits in the background, and when we need some help, people who are who are lack energy? They're tired. They seem to be, you know, tripping over every single cold that comes walking down the street. And you know, it's it's this is where, and the way I think you should look at this activity is you should look at it as disease prevention. You know, I I, I look at some of the the uh, reviews on the internet for mushroom products, and people says, oh yeah, I felt a cold coming on today. I threw down three or four capsules of this mushroom product. it's gone tomorrow. You know, that's not how mushrooms work. Mushrooms work in the background. They are there to help us as needed. You need to be taking them for a while to really have the activity there. And I don't care what people say about, oh yeah, help me. And tomorrow I was, I was back on, you know, felt normal. I'm sorry. <laughs> a
2: good, good placebo, I guess. <laughs>
3: well, well, it absolutely is placebo. In fact, uh, there are people out there that I consider placebos. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's they go, oh, this person, I, I just look up to them so much, and they said this, that, and the other, and the next day I'm cured. Thank you so much, right? Well that's kind of, you know, placebo is very effective. There's no question about (laughs) it. (laughs) So, so that's, that's the way I look at these uh, uh, immune modulation. Um, And um, it's interesting because it's called a host defense potentiator um, Mm. or a uh, a basically immune modulator. Now, when it comes to something like lion's mane, which, which is so interesting because you know what I've been, I've been, in the Minnesota mushroom business since 1989. That's when I started my company. Nobody was was talking about lion's mane. Nobody at all. In 2015, all of a sudden a little, some information starts to come out. Lion's mane now is just literally the most popular of all the mushrooms that we sell. It is just absolutely amazing. You know, I guess everybody's losing their memory out there. Right. Um, ne-
1: neurological conditions are on the. I mean, MS yeah. and
3: Parkinson's,
1: and then you look yes. at Alzheimer's and dementia for sure. Yeah. There's definitely an 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 increase, an influx of concern.
3: Oh, I know. It's it's all those baby boomers like myself. <laughs> what was your name again? What? Was... <laughs> so so. So lion's mane actually have some, has some compounds in there uh, that will stimulate the production of what's called nerve growth factor, and nerve growth factor is what uh, uh, will aid in the production of more neurons. And so, I mean, you know, we're losing neurons every day and gaining neurons because this is a constant process going on. But what happens as you age is that that starts to slow down, and uh, if it really slows down, you end up with Alzheimer, you end up with dementia. Um, so, so yeah, people are rightfully concerned about this and anything that's going to help them to do this, then that's fine. So this is what lion's mane has uh, been shown to do. And the, what's interesting is that there's a couple of actual clinical trials and, you know, clinical trials for herbs. It, it's like, they're so hard to come by because nobody wants to spend the money on Fund
1: them. <laughs> yes. Oh,
3: you know, I mean, most of the data is always on either in vitro or in vivo studies and and okay that's all good that gives us a clue that helps us down the road but uh to, to trying to find out what's going on but clinical trials and there's been a couple of clinical trials with lion's mane one had two groups of 30 people one a control group one a uh, the group that's getting lion's mane they are 70 year old uh, japanese um, they take a test uh, a cognition type test then they uh, the one group consumes lion's mane for three months. At the end of three months, and and here's what's what's interesting is is that this this group that took lion's mane it was only three grams of actual lion's mane mushroom powder. Three grams. That, that's like wow. That's that's not bad at all. You know that that's a not a lot. So I, I mean, it may seem like a lot, but it's not. It's just mushroom powder. Three grams right. dried mushroom powder. So, so at the end of the the ninety days, they take the test again and. Lo and behold, the group taking the lion's mane did a lot better than the control group. And it's like, wow, okay, we've seen some some actual activity from it here. And here's the other part about it that is very interesting is that then they stopped taking lion's mane and they tested both groups again a month later. And the group that did so well with the lion's mane, now they're back to normal. Uh (laughs) So so it's like, oh great, I got a customer for life. This is wonderful. <laughs> it's it's got a, but it, but it's very interesting, and they've had a couple other tests that uh, clinical tests that showed that it helped people with dementia and um, depression. So, so you know, I guess the, the other thing that's happening out there, of course, and you're aware of it, I'm sure, is this whole idea of what's called a nootropic, and mm-hmm. these are anything that enhance our our basic uh, ability. To uh, react to our environment, anything that gives us a little bit of an extra edge uh, would be considered a, a nootropic. And so, so Lion's Mane has gained a lot of um, basically followers and activity and interest because because of this. So right now, geez, yeah, we can hardly keep Lion's Mane in stock. It's it's really amazing. Um, the other mushroom that's that's getting a lot of interest is cordyceps. And, and yes, there, there that being be nootropic,
1: right? In, in that category of adaptogenic.
3: Well, it's, it's all. I would say all the mushrooms are adaptogenic. I'm not sure I'd call cordyceps nootropic. Cordyceps uh, traditionally was used um, for people that had uh, neurasthenia, which is a condition of you've been ill, you're now getting better, but you seem to have hit a wall. You're, you're sort of getting better, but you're not getting better. And so they would prescribe cordyceps to those people. It also, it was like you're you're coming out of that, and you're fatigued.
1: Yeah, we think stress-induced fatigue.
3: Yes, exactly. So 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 cordyceps traditionally was prescribed to those people, and cordyceps is actually a small little blade-like fungus that grows off of a caterpillar, and. It's wildcrafted up in Tibet. And it's an amazing, amazing story how this caterpillar hibernates in the uh, fall as winter's approaching, hibernates, but it's got uh, cordyceps spores on it. And so it never wakes up. Instead, while it is sleeping, these cordyceps spores will germinate, the, the mycelium will get into the, the inside of that caterpillar and consume it completely. And then in the spring, uh, when when conditions are right, it will produce this little uh, blade, and they call it in China. They call it winter worm, summer grass. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so that that poor that poor caterpillar goes to sleep thinking, okay, I'll wake <laughs> up soon and be a butterfly, right? <laughs> and instead, no, you don't. You you've just uh, uh, been the host to the production of a little cordyceps. Well. In in China right now, that cordyceps got so rare in the last 20 years, and the demand became so high that it was fetching $20,000 US a kilogram, a dry kilogram, can you imagine? <laughs> wow. that, that was, I, I think that might be the most expensive herb in the world. And But here's, here's what's really fantastic, is in the last 10 years in China, they have discovered how to grow another species of cordyceps which has been used interchangeably, and this Cordyceps is called Cordyceps militaris, and it is fantastically beautiful. It is this orange blade-like fungus that normally will grow off of a, a bug of some sort, but actually it is not cultivated on bugs. It's you know, The cultivation is a standard cultivation, and so when you harvest it, it's hundred percent the 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 uh, caterpillar fungus that's grown up that is wildcrafted in tibet actually when you get it it's still got the caterpillar there <laughs> and,
2: <That's> and, <laughs> and,
3: even even though the caterpillar if you were open it up it would be all mycelium inside and and just the caterpillar that looks like a caterpillar it's just the skin there but but think about this i was walking around in the '90s at Natural Foods Expo in Anaheim, and I had some cordyceps, and I was like, you know, are you interested in cordyceps? It's been used for a long time traditional Chinese medicine. People looked at me like I was I was crazy. Was like, <laughs> you, you know, the, you know. And one of the first things was, look, nobody is going to eat a caterpillar. Right. Most most of our customers are vegetarians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought caterpillar meat. Okay, caterpillar, meat, right. <laughs> So, so that didn't go very far. But today, we we now have actually this Cordyceps militaris, and we sell it very, very inexpensive because it is cultivated, and it is it is now it it's not uh, um, something that gets wildcrafted and maybe it's a little bit different every time somebody harvests it. No, it's cultivated. It's uh, inexpensive. That's the other thing right now that we're we're selling a lot of, and it's interesting because it's mostly used in athletics these days for people that are like fatigue. Anything that Mm -hmm. can help me with fatigue, I'm going to take. And and so that's really uh, um, that's fine. Try it out, see if it works. And and there there have been a couple of studies that show that cordyceps uh, uh, does not help a high uh, performance athlete, um, they're just too high performance. It, it's like, it's not going to give you any extra because you're already there. But people in athletics who are not like the high performance athlete, it has shown some benefits. So
1: awesome. just, I think a lot of our clients and I know myself, I'll use it for more of the right stress induced fatigue, even if not physiological at all yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> One night up with my toddler and whatnot. Yeah. Just- oh my and, and yeah. wanting some of that additional, hopeful for the immune modulation, but also for that, that stress-induced fatigue prevention of burnout, I think, for sure. Oh,
3: my goodness. Yes. If you're, <laughs> if you're a young mom, all I can say is uh, you do need lots of help. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And
2: <laughs> I had no idea cordyceps had such a rich backstory. So now I have all that more appreciation for Oh yeah.
3: It's very (laughs) cool. Very cool. cool.
2: Oh my gosh. Um, I want to open up maybe another rabbit hole here and just talk a little bit about um, some of the psychedelic influences of mushrooms. And this is like a whole foreign language, to be honest, to me personally, but I know yep. that, you know, shrooming or psychedelic use, um, has been done for a very long time. And, you know, some people are now exploring more like microdosing for therapeutic benefits. Yep. Um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about like the types of mushrooms, um, that would be used in psychedelics and why they have these properties and how they impact the body.
3: Well, you know what? If you look at history and prehistory, mushrooms have been used as food and as psychoactive um, uh, foods for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Uh, they, mushrooms were, from the very beginning, something uh, psychoactive mushrooms that actually promoted the idea of mystical experiences. And so, if you take enough of these, and the primary genus that we're talking about is called psilocybe and psilocybe genus produces what's called psilocybin so it's uh, magic mushrooms are essentially psilocybin mushrooms and and you know they are a very wonderful uh, mushroom that most people who are have taken psychoactive plants will talk about as being very gentle um, something that provides them with very deep and profound experiences and insights and and it's absolutely true it it's important that they're taken in the right way um you have to have the correct set and setting so you don't want to do it on a you know when you're walking down the street into town or something like that you, <laughs> want, you, you want to be in a very nice place maybe maybe if it's during the day you want to be out in a wonderful woods somewhere or else you want to do it at night in a in your home, in a very in a room that's warm and safe, and the phone's not going to ring and the door's not going go <laughs> to get
1: you have a safety <laughs> person. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's right.
3: That's a, that's absolutely right. And I mean, Spirit it's good. important to have somebody to take care of all those things because you don't want to be bothered with all of that. You want to enjoy this space that you're going into. Now, now certainly one of the things that has sort of come out in the last number of years is that people have been using small amounts, what they call microdosing to enhance their cognitive abilities and and you know it's absolutely without a doubt that these can enhance the senses i mean you 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 will enhance your hearing you'll enhance your your uh, vision um your senses will be heightened by this now if you take a little bit too much you might be in a space that you don't want to be in, uh, which, is, which is just, okay, let's just figure out where you want to go with it. So you, you try and reach that point, and it's probably trial and error for a lot of people to reach that point where you're getting this little enhancement of the senses, and that, that goes right on to uh, cognition as well. And you can imagine what it might have been like for uh, our ancestors thousands of years ago where if you're a hunter-gatherer or something like that, and, and you can hear better. You can Mm -hmm. see better. Maybe you can smell things that you couldn't smell. Think about that in terms of hunting. It would be an amazing advantage for us because one of the things that happens to us is as we are um, acclimated to our culture, our senses are basically slowly closed off to that which is, is essentially valuable to the culture. Like we need you to be able to sit at a desk for eight hours a day and answer phones or, <laughs> or work a, work a computer screen. Right. So, so that's something that, you know, we are conditioned in that way by our culture. But if we weren't, um, our mind would be so much more open and we would be experiencing so many more things. And, and that is where, where a lot of indigenous people, uh, were residing, they were residing in that kind of space. It's hard for us to imagine, but we can imagine it if we do uh, take some of these psychoactive mushrooms that can open that up. There, there's someone who's wrote, written a book. I, I highly encourage you to read it. It's uh, a man called Alvis Huxley. He wrote a book called The Doors of Perception. And what he was talking about basically was opening a door and all of a sudden Uh, that door was really opening your senses and, and it opens your senses, heightens them. And so that's where, that's where I think people, when it comes to the microdosing, this is what they're after. They're after something that will take them to a certain point where they are, you know, can function at a higher level. Now, now, unfortunately that means, okay, yeah, my day to day, whatever, I'm going to be a a wizard now. (laughs) You know, rather than an actual wizard off in some some right. other universe, right? Uh, but um, yes, that that's what microdosing is doing out there. Now, well, with the other thing that's happening, which is really interesting, is that the, it's being used a lot now by psychologists and yes. psychiatrists. And, and they, they, found, they knew this for a long time because they were using it in the 50s and early 60s, that it could break addictions. It could take people out of depression. Mm-hmm. It could help people with passage into, into death. So this is something that, that I think we're really fortunate to be at a time where, where everything is starting to, to lighten up a little bit. I mean, I mean listen, I, I'm a child of the 60s. I came through 30 years, 40 years of being harassed. And uh, uh, subject to arrest uh, over use of whether it be cannabis or mushrooms or anything like that. Cannabis is now legal. And you know what? I don't even smoke it anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, ha ha.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, it's like oh, man. <laughs> but, I'm, I'm, but I'm very, very happy because a lot of people had their lives ruined and a lot of people oh, yeah. went to jail. and and that was just an absolute travesty.
1: When I think culturally, whether, you know, like you said, whether it's being applied with PTSD or an executive trying to break through a creative void or someone going through a divorce or someone just trying to connect with their inner B, I think it's always this seeking of releasing the ego or the over-rumination or whatever those false pretenses that we put up as barriers to our own, our own self, and and I hope, as you said, Jeff, that I think I think we're becoming more open to not only on a psychoactive component, but bringing this full circle on plant medicine and recognizing that as we move forward, as we learn more, sometimes it's getting back to this simplistic model that nature creates that the answers have already been you know, <laughs> crafted. I, I know,
3: and I, I agree totally.
1: Getting back, uh, for sure. <laughs>
3: Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, it's interesting because some people have, have called what's going on the archaic revival. That was something that I don't know if you're familiar with a man named Terence McKenna. He, yeah, wrote, yeah. he wrote a book called that, The Archaic Revival. And, and that's what he's sort kind of saying is we need to look back and, and uh, bring to the future what we had back then when we weren't so tied down by, by our social constructs that we are now. And, and I, I sometimes look at it as, as yes, I, I like to think I'm going back to the future.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so before we get too esoteric, I want to bring this back for people in a, a application orientation. So, um, we talked about the immune modulating effects of ability of mushrooms to impact down to the level of you know natural killer cells and also some of the mind altering benefits and i want to make sure be that our big concept is food as medicine that we connect some of the nutritional properties so i think you hit that that vitamin d with a new word for me agosterol is that right agosterol
3: actually ergosterol ergosterol yeah, so, okay Yeah.
1: Awesome. um let's talk about um, some of the mineral richness I know selenium is a big area B vitamins I've well, heard and, well, and are there aromatase inhibiting influences of mushrooms as well for like well
3: yeah let me let me let me say a couple things about the nutritional value of mushrooms one of which is is mushrooms in general are are have a good amount of protein they have a good uh, amino acid profile they're they're rich in protein for <clears throat> a vegetable um, they're not like a meat protein or anything like that but they're a good amount of protein they have. Mushrooms are mostly carbohydrates, but good carbohydrates. They're, they're not starches. We've already sort of been, talked about that. They have something called mannitol, which is a very slow-acting uh, carbohydrate. Uh, they have vitamins, uh, B vitamins, uh, thiamine, riboflavin, and niacin um, in uh, amounts that are definitely uh, beneficial amounts, not just small amounts. But the, so the B vitamins there. Um, they, they do have their ergosterol, which again, if exposed to UV will give us the, these, um, uh, the vitamin D that, that we might um, be lacking. Um, also, mushrooms, again, are, are high in fiber, so they are going to feed the microbiome. I, I tell people that before you start to supplement with mushrooms, start just eat mushrooms. Put mushrooms into your diet. Mushrooms are a fantastic food. Interestingly enough, back in the 70s, when I started growing mushrooms commercially in 1973, um, I worked on a very large mushroom farm in a, for 10 years, and uh, we grew 2 million pounds of the button mushroom every year. Huge farm. And back then, nutritionists looked at mushrooms as having no food value. Mm, yeah. they, thought, they thought mushrooms were just a garnish or a flavoring or something. The reason was that mushrooms are low in calories. So mushrooms do not have a lot of calories. The, and that's because there is so much fiber uh, in those mushrooms. Well, now, of course, fiber is looked at as very positive, as it as it should be. So there are so many different ways which uh, the mushroom can be beneficial. And and I think I think you're absolutely right about this whole this whole idea of food as medicine. I mean, that's really what we want. We want our food to be nourishing us in every possible way, one of which is medicinal. We want those nutrients to be, to be basically helping us to create uh, a healthy person. We want, you know, that, that's the first place we have to start with food. And, and so I say to people, put mushrooms into your diet. I love shiitake mushrooms. If you've got access to fresh shiitake mushrooms, that is an amazingly good mushroom that has not just a wonderful flavor, but also it's got medicinal properties. Uh, if you're lucky, you might have maitake uh, in your supermarkets as well or your whole foods. So so put mushrooms into your diet, and then after that, if you feel like you've got some other issues like uh, lack of energy or fatigue or, or stresses, things like that, then absolutely supplement with mushrooms. My favorite mushroom is reishi. Reishi has not just the beta glucans, but it's got these triterpenoids in there, and they have very positive benefits as well. They work with the liver. They also have immunological benefits. So that's one of the things that sets Reishi apart from everything else is the fact that it's got these other compounds in there, the triterpenoids, and and so so Reishi is in a sense, to me, the premier medicinal mushrooms. I like to put it in my coffee every morning. I have a very strong reishi Mm. powdered extract. I put it in with my coffee, which I drink black and I put the reishi in there and it's just like another bitter note in my coffee. And, uh, I like it a lot. I think it's a great way to to do that, but that's how I would approach it. And and again, yes, preventive medicine, that's where mushrooms really fit in and food is medicine, uh, premier food,
1: and you're getting an enhancement. It's already extracted the reishi powder with heat, right? Because that's one of those that that terpene requires.
3: Yes, and 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 uh, um, does the but, coffee enhance it? Um, well, I wouldn't say it, it potentiates it in any way. No, okay. but I I think uh, for me, it's just a, a great way to take it because most people, if you if you were to say here, try this reishi powder, they would taste it and go. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> Maybe in a me- gravy. Maybe. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we do a reishi. We do what's called the reishi challenge at some of the shows. And we give people a, a taste of this myceliated grain product. And they go, oh yeah, yeah, that tastes pretty good. It's uh-huh. kind of bland and a little bit sweet. And I'm like, okay, try this reishi extract. And they go, oh my god. <laughs> give me some water. I That's took what it much- really tastes. I always like. tell people, look. Just take a, a little bit on there. Some people go, "Oh yeah," let me just you know dip this uh, a spoon in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well,
1: it's we'll find you terrible. this year at PaleoFacts. Yeah, right. Take the
3: challenge. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's a lot of fun.
2: So that's what you want—is that bitter kind of?
3: <laughs> you do, you do. Completely appalling.
2: appalling. That's, That's a key a for a
3: Reishi product. If if you if you've got a Reishi product and you're like, oh, well, is this really a Reishi product or not? Well, empty out the capsules and and uh, taste it. And uh, if it if it tastes mild, then you don't have a Reishi product. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well,
2: I think you've really. I know you've inspired me, Jeff, to go beyond. You know the truffle salt added into <laughs> potatoes or something, and and really further explore this whole world that is mushrooms. So um, this has been an awesome, awesome conversation. Um, I think we've got two more questions for you. So the first one being, um, give us a little bit more about um, how listeners can find more about you and access your product line um, and your Namex company.
3: Well, um, my company is named Namex, North American Medicinal Mushroom Extracts, namex.com, N-A-M-M-E-X, we have a lot of information on the website that you can really educate yourself. I've got slideshows there as well that talk about how mushrooms are grown. And uh, the um, Namex is actually a raw material supplier. So we sell bulk mushroom extracts to other companies that put our extracts out uh, in, capsules bottles with their label on it, their brand on it. So that's what Namex does. But we also have a a company that is called realmushrooms.com. And realmushrooms.com is where we have a retail line. So if you want to try our products, um, you can go to realmushrooms.com. We only sell those products on the internet right now, but that's where they are available, where you can get them either in a pouch, or if you're buying reishi, you can also get them in capsules.
2: <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> Save yourself the bite. And um, we'll be sure to put links of all of that in our show notes. So last question, Jeff. Um, as Becky said, it's been a fun conversation. Uh, as dietitians, we always ask our guests at the end of the show for a 24-hour recall. So we'll see how quick and sharp your memory is. (laughs) If you've been taking your lion's mane. (laughs) So yesterday, from when you woke up to when you went to bed, just what you had to eat. We just love kind of sharing a sample of our guests and and what their life looks like.
3: Well you know what um what I love and I'm so lucky about is I had fish yesterday. I I live on the west coast of North America. I'm up here on Vancouver Island and uh, in terms of in terms of my my dinner yesterday it was, I had a wonderful tuna steak. Uh, we have fresh tuna here. We have fresh salmon. We have uh, other uh, fish. I, I almost live on salmon. I think salmon is probably the perfect food. It has got the, the great oils in it. It's got, it's wonderful protein. I get it absolutely fresh. It's not a farm raised fish or anything. It's a wild salmon. Uh, I eat salmon three times a week and I eat mushrooms three times a week. I didn't, I didn't have mushrooms yesterday with my, with my tuna, but the tuna was absolutely awesome. I had the tuna and I also had some um, broccolini. All right. I love nice. broccoli, by the way. Broccoli is my favorite vegetable.
1: <laughs> the sulfurons. You got all the stuff going. <laughs> That's
3: right. That's absolutely right. Yes.
1: <laughs> Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for catching us over the holidays as well. And um, we will be sharing notes um, in our summary with links to your website so listeners can learn more about you and your products. And um, thanks for being on the Naturally Nourished podcast.
3: Thank you very much for having me. Uh, It was really enjoyable talking to you both. And uh, listen, have a great Thanksgiving.
2: Me as well.
0: Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.